Welcome to the show. In this one, I have a conversation with Fairbanks-based rapper Josh Silva, better known as Alaska Red. Red is one of the pioneers of Alaska hip-hop. He's been pursuing it for over 20 years, and in that time, he's had to learn what a successful career in hip-hop looks like in Alaska. That he can't follow the conventional route of radio play and touring because many times local radio stations won't play your music, and statewide touring is not always possible because of a lack of venues or an unwillingness to host a hip-hop show. So he's had to improvise, by founding his own studio, releasing his music independently, and running his own tours. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the Crude Magazine Patreon subscribers. If you already subscribe to the Crude Magazine Patreon, thank you. For those listeners who aren't, please consider subscribing at www patreon.com slash crude magazine that's patreon.com slash crude magazine and pick the subscription tier that works for you i want to thank everyone subscribed to the company man tier these are the people who have subscribed to the crude patreon for 50 dollars or more trina duber seward brewing company the grind coffee shop in juno Derek adolph Blue and Gold Board Shop, Sharon Liska, Alaska Surf Adventure, and Aquila Space. Thank you to all the Patreon subscribers. Your money and your support make these conversations possible. Okay, back to Alaska Red. As a pioneer, Red says that he feels a responsibility to the local hip-hop scene. So he tries to help up-and-coming artists when he can, by providing studio time and by imbuing knowledge. He says that if you want to be serious about music and excel at it, then you need to invest in yourself. Because, at the end of the day, nobody is going to believe in you if you don't believe in yourself. So here he is, Alaska Red. <laughs> this red light right here, it means we're recording. Okay, fired up. Crude conversations. Listen more than you talk. Go to work! Red. Cody. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me back, man. I appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. And you're headed to Harding Lake this weekend, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Going to go out there and uh, celebrate a gentleman's retirement party and just kind of hang out around the lake. We got a couple buddies that have uh, spots out there. One of my buddies is a mason, and he's going to be hanging out at the Freemason cabin, and got another buddy that has a cabin a couple houses down. And yeah, they're all going to be barbecuing and jet skiing and all that fun stuff this weekend, so going to get out there and tool around a little bit. Right on, and Freemason, is that like Illuminati? <laughs> I mean, he's a Freemason, man. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's my buddy Ox. Uh, he's been like one of my best friends for you know twenty twenty plus years, and just just recently, I think in the last I don't know probably four or five years, he he joined the Masons, and yeah, he's he all into it, went through the whole thing, and yeah, he's he's a straight up Freemason now. Sweet, does he have the ring? He has the ring. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. My only frame of reference for people being Freemasons 
is obviously, you know, the whole right. Illuminati conspiracy stuff. And then sure. um, the rapper Apathy. Is yeah, Apathy. A... I've actually talked to him a few times. <laughs> oh, really? About well, Freemason? One, one time, um, I know another gentleman. It, it's kind of strange. I, I did a... I did a charity event back, oh God, it was early 2000s, where I connected with a gentleman that owned a couple of businesses through Alaska. His name's Kevin. I forget what his last name is exactly, but he owns like Body Piercing Unlimited and a few other things. I think he ran for some kind of like, some kind of Congress in Fairbanks or Anchorage or one of the two or whatnot. But he's a, he's also a Freemason and he's very connected with the Shriners. And I did an event that was like a charity event. And basically I know that the Shriners have the hospitals for the kids and stuff like that. So I wanted to do an event where we basically, it was called toys in the hood, (laughs) toys in the hood. And we brought up, uh, we brought up Mr. FAB from Thiz nation at the time. And my buddy cool nuts from Portland. And, (laughs) and we, uh, threw this concert event in the middle of December at like 40 below. And basically it just cost people, uh, a free unwrapped gift, you know, unwrapped gift, to get into the concert and they could come to the concert for free. So all of our stuff was proceeds to the Shriners to give to the kids at the hospitals. Man, that is really cool. How often do you try to do stuff like that? Like charitable stuff, man. I mean, honestly, as much as I can, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm big into giving back to my community and anytime anybody ever like reaches out to me, like to do something for a charity event, I'm usually 99% with it as long as I'm available. And then I try to come up with my own type of things every, er, you know, every so often, man, just something will, you know, something will click or there'll be in a, there'll be a, a cause that I need to support or I would like to support or, you know what I mean? A friend might come under some kind of a tragedy, brother has cancer, sister, you know what I mean? I've done a couple of different things like mm-hmm. that where we've, we've raised funds for people. So yeah, I'm always, I'm always about doing that kind of stuff, man. That is really cool, man. So Let's see if I can get back on track. <laughs> no worries. So last weekend, you and your family were enjoying the outdoors as well, right? Yeah, man. Yeah. All week we were uh, out at Olness Pond, just kind of hanging out, had the motorhome out there and the four-wheelers, and we are just buzzing around, had the kids out. It was a good time. And I'm sure that's all awesome, but it wasn't really the summer you had planned, right? Because you were supposed to be on tour. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, there's still plans for that though. We're, we're going to talk about that for sure, because it's it, it the way, the way things worked out definitely didn't have plans for it to be exactly like it is at all by any means. I mean, I don't think anybody, anybody could have planned for this, this shit. So mm-hmm. it, it just basically happened. And I mean, in the comings of this happening, the way it affected me personally was like, you know, the Bun B show. The Bun B show was like the first thing that was supposed to happen that had to be canceled because it was just right on that fringe right before they were about to start closing things down heavily through the city and through, you know, Anchorage, Fairbanks area. And they were like, oh, we're about to start shutting the bars down up here, too. And I was like, you know what? They're going to they're going to can't I, I better just pull the plug on it now instead of waiting it out. You know what I mean? I'm one of those kind of people mm-hmm. that when I foresee something coming, I would rather jump on it and handle it now than wait, tell, you know, try to wait it out. And then you know what I'm saying I'm like, I'm not trying to do all that. So about a month 
prior, I think it was about a month or two weeks prior to them, like clo- officially saying that the bars couldn't even be open anymore. I pulled the plug on it. I talked to Bun B's people. We kind of came to a mutual agreement that we kind of ride it out, wait it out. And I mean, because we, we'd already dropped deposits, bought plane tickets. I mean, everything. Like, so we were, mm-hmm. we were pretty vested into the show. So that was kind of the first thing that happened. And then we also had, uh, I had a couple events I was supposed to DJ, just be a DJ for. Those got canceled. Because they were like parties, and one was a wedding, and they had to, you know, reschedule the date. Uh, shoot, what else happened? And then, oh, I had the the ladies' first tour. That was the one that had to get canceled and re- we're, I'm gonna try to reschedule it, which it really sucked because it was something that was gonna be like a first time for you know hip hop in Alaska. And basically, what I did is I'd I'd got with a few of the female MCs through the state, uh, Stevie the Blessed, Fat Trophy Wife, and Duchess Merlot. And I'd ask them if they'd want to, you know, collab together, not so much on doing music together, but doing a tour together. Mm-hmm. And I, I would act as the tour manager and the tour router. And basically I did all the booking and I set it all up and I routed it all and I did all the artwork for it and all that stuff. So it, it was disheartening to see that not come to, you know, fruition after doing all the work on it. You know what I'm saying? I had all the ladies ready to go. I also had a, a friend of mine and a former client, a uh, Scorpion Queen. She's from the Atlanta area. She was supposed to be coming up here prior to the tour kicking off by about two, two to three weeks. And she was going to be actually like Airbnb in a room at my house. Mm-hmm. And she was going to be recording her album. So it was like that that was another big chunk of like income that I lost because all of a sudden COVID happened and she was like, can't come. Sorry. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, dude. And then she was supposed to be on the tour too. So I lost a member of the tour, lost a bunch of like, you know, potential income for the month and stuff like that on that deal. And then the ladies tour canceled, which sucked because it was like, they're all looking forward to it. We, you know, we had it pumped up dope. There was a lot of people backing it and that were really excited to do it. And it just, you know, it sucked to see that not happen. And now that, you know, times kind of went on a little bit more, they're, they're opening things back up. The restrictions are getting a little looser and, and it's just like, you know, I don't know, man. We have another one. <laughs> I have myself and Matt Angler uh, co-headlining a tour for July. And that mm-hmm. that was planned. It was it was going to be the first ever Alaska dip netting tour. And we were going to, you know, make our way around Alaska, uh, rock some shows and, and, and fish. And that's basically what we were going to do. And right now it's, uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of it's kind of like we're kind of like filling things out on it because. It being that it is in July, Alaska has opened back up. A uh, few of the dates are outdoor events anyway, so we feel like we could probably pull those ones off pretty easy without a problem. You know what I mean? You can, yeah. do, you can do the social distancing. Everybody can stay away from each other. They're not, you know what I'm saying? It wouldn't really be an issue. The ones, the ones that we're still kind of filling out are the ones that are in uh, typical venues. Coots, uh, the guys in Homer at the Alibi and... Different places like that, you know what I mean? I have to, I've been reaching out to all these different places and, you know, just kind of getting their, kind of getting their input on it. And a couple of them are, you know, they're, they're not even open back up for business yet. Like normally they would be. So for them to go, all right, yeah, let's just do a show in a month. They're kind of like, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like, yeah, for sure. And I'm like, hey man, that's where I'm at too. Cause I don't really know where the people are, you know what I'm saying? I've been trying to kind of reach out to people and kind of get their feel on it. 
And it's it's kind of 50-50, you know what I mean? I'm getting I'm getting the, man, I've been ready to get out of this bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm also getting the, nah, man, I don't think it's a good idea for people to congregate together yet. And I'm just like, you know, I get both people's sides of it. But me being an artist and this kind of being what I do for a living, I'm kind of like, I got to do something. I got to figure mm-hmm. out something and figure out a way to make it kind of work. You know what I mean? So, so people feel safe. The establishments feel like they're making a good choice. They're not putting themselves in any kind of liable situation or putting people in harm. Because that's not what anybody wants to do by any means. And we're not trying to be like, I don't know. I myself am not trying to be stupid and jump the gun and be like, oh, I got to go do shows just to do shows. Because, I mean, there's a million other things I could probably do to make money, but this is my livelihood. It is what I do. And it's like, I just feel like if people are comfortable with it, they should have the choice to be able to come out and congregate. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of where I'm at with it. And we're just kind of trying to see what kind of guidelines we'd have to follow to make it happen. And if we can... We're going to do it and push forward with it in July. And like I said, a few of them will be outdoor events and a couple of them will hopefully be indoor events if we can, if we can, uh, you know, work out a, work out the situation and all the details with the event owners and the staff and all that stuff. So just kind of trying to, you know, piece it together day at a time. And I think I read something about a, like a long time bar closing in Fairbanks recently. Definitely, man. There was a there were there's a gentleman um, who he holds a few of the liquor licenses in Fairbanks and has for quite a while. And he owns he owns a few of the establishments. He owns uh, the Arctic Fox, the Red Fox. He owns the Marlin, uh, and I think he used to own or be part owner in the Spur as well, which are like the the four four or five main bars in town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Marlins a long time staple for music and stuff like that. So that, that sucked to hear, you know, just all of a sudden one day they're in the paper saying that they're going to shut it down. And it's like, oh man, that's like one of the last places in Fairbanks that like, no matter who you are, no matter what kind of music you did, no matter where you came from, even you didn't even have to be from Alaska. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. was so cool about that place. Like there was people that came through there all the time that were not from Alaska. They were from you know, lower 48 touring through Alaska during the summer, some through the winter, you know what I mean? It was, it was just a cool, unique spot, man, that's been around for a long time. And it's just, it's sad to see it go because it has, it has a lot of, has a lot of memories for me, man. I've seen a lot of cool, cool events go down in that place. I played in it a bunch of times and seen a bunch of people play in it. So it's just, the it's just one of those like places that'll be definitely missed in Fairbanks. What was one of the most memorable artists that you've seen there? One of the most memorable artists that I've seen there? Yeah. I would probably just say, honestly, the local events, man. The local events that I've seen people throw in the parties there that we've had locally have been, like, my favorite, honestly. It's because it's a, it's a small venue. It's tightly packed. So if you get, you know, 50, 75, 100 people in there, it's it feels good good you know what i'm saying it's like oh this is a good crowd you know what i mean yeah and uh we've done shows with like bishop slice and starbucks and you know we've done show i've done shows with like my live band with other bands down there they're just fucking rowdy and fun i mean i've came to shows where other bands are playing there that have been rowdy and fun but it seemed like every time like we threw some local stuff was always a pretty good vibe uh i remember tubby threw one back in the day one of the first tubby and friends i think was actually 
at the Marlin. Nice. And yeah, and it, that was a f- it was a super fun fucking show. Josh Boots came up for it. it was really cool. And then I did something similar, like I think like a couple months later or some shit. I did like maybe even been a year later actually. I don't even know exact time frames or whatnot. But I threw a show in April and I did like an AK All Stars thing and I kind of like the format was very similar. I was like, you know what? I'm going to reach out to the MCs from all across the state and try to have them come down and do this show. It should be dope. You know what I mean? So I tried to get boots down here. I had Joker, Joker, the Bells bondsman come down. Uh, young block from LME came up. I don't think, I don't know if Tashani came with him or not. Uh, a couple, there's a, there's a few Anchorage MCs that end up showing up. Darius and then Johnny Kohler was out here, even though he's from Fairbanks, but he runs with Darius and them. So Darius was out here from Anchorage and, uh, dose double dose came up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man, it was dope. It was a fun show, man. Just packed with good, you know, local talent, good vibes, just good energy all night. And then just from then on, we just kind of kept, kind of kept doing the same kind of vibe, doing like local showcases at the place and stuff. And they always seem to have like cool turnouts and, you know, wasn't ever no problems. It was always a good vibe in there. And, it, you know, you could just kind of expect it to be a fun little place when you had a show. <laughs> you know, something, Something that I've heard about Fairbanks pretty consistently from a number of different people is that Fairbanks really fosters like unity in the hip hop community here in Alaska. We, I mean, it's so small. You have to, man. You know, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, uh, even for myself that like, I've been doing, you know, music forever. I still try to like stay tapped in and see who's doing stuff around here constantly. And it's like, if, if I see you start making a little buzz and you're like, you look like you're serious and stuff like that, don't be surprised if you hear from me, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'll throw a show and I might reach out to you like, yo man, we got a slot. You want to come out and rock with us? You know what I mean? That's what I try to do with most of these cats that are like up and coming and some, most time they, they seem to find their way to me somehow anyway they might need a graphic design or studio recording or you know what i mean or hey man mm-hmm. you you know the guy that does the videos and da, da, da. i'm like yeah yeah what's up man you know what i mean so i <laughs> i end up getting getting in touch with them some way or another throughout throughout the uh duration of it and fairbanks is a very small tight-knit community i mean i feel like anchorage is that way in a sense too but that's kind of like outsider looking in aspect like i know there's not i know there's not as much uh I would say, I'm not going to say not unity. Um, there's more, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. There's a lot more clicks out there doing shit. You know what I mean? But I still feel like there's a very, a very big uh, mindset in a, in, in a, in a, in a like-minded mindset from the whole community. Cause we're all from the same place. You know what I'm saying? So we all kind of see it through the same through the same vision even though we're all coming from different places in this same place we're all kind of seeing the same uh the same struggle so to speak because we're all shooting for the same you know the same goal so we're all going to the same venues we're all going to the same radio stations we're all you know what i mean it's like everybody's yeah. doing the same shit that everybody else is doing we're all just doing it in our own unique kind of ways you know what i'm saying some people are more successful and have had more success over time uh, I would say myself included because I've, I've been here a long time. I've grown relationships with people and not only am I a rapper, I've also been radio DJ. I was a wedding DJ. I, you know what I'm saying? I was 
in the streets for a long time out here. So it's like, I've, I've got relationships in this community from a lot of different angles over the years. And I constantly built on those just to like keep opening doors for me. You know what I mean? And that's something mm-hmm. I always stress to cats is like, dude, you know, I know, I know you feel like, you know, you start rapping or you start doing music and instantly you should be put on and things. It's like, but it's a, it's a building progress and you got to meet the right people and, you know, create relationships and, you know what I'm saying? And work, work it, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. if you work it right, you know what I'm saying? Your door's open for you. If you do it the right way and you ain't, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's Alaska, man. It's a, it's a weird, unique place, man. It's a, it's a hard place to do hip hop for sure. Uh, you know, I've endured it all for a long time. So I feel the struggles and I try to, I try to give advice when I can, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> what is one piece of advice you feel like you keep giving? One that I keep giving? Yeah. I I mean a common a common question that I get a lot is how how do you make it? And like I've had a lot of rappers ask me that, different rappers, you know what I'm saying? Cause I don't know. I guess from a young guy's perspective, you come into my studio and you might be like, Whoa, you've kind kinda made it, I guess. Like I'm not living in a super big house or anything, but I have my own studio. I've done music with different guys. I have pictures on the wall. You know what I'm saying? So it's like there's this image that, man, you kind of made it. And I'm like, bro, if I knew how to make it, I would not be sitting here right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would not be sitting here right now. Probably Not to say I wouldn't be talking to you, but I would not be in this situation that I'm in right motherfucking now if I made it. And I know how to make it because yeah. I don't know how to make it, man. I'm just another motherfucker that's like... I'm trying different things all the time too. And the game constantly is changing. So it's like, I just tell motherfuckers that if you really, really take music seriously, if you really want to be serious about music and you want to try to excel in it, man, just be ready to invest in yourself. If you take Mm -hmm. it seriously, you got to, you got to think of it either like a job or a hustle or anything else in life. It's like, you got to put in something to it to get something out of it. And it's, it's not a cheap hobby and it's not a cheap, uh, you know, career. It's it's really not. You spend a lot of money doing it. <laughs> it's it's just the facts. And it's like, if you ain't built for that, if you're not ready to like, you know, put some money up on yourself and try to bet on yourself a little bit, nine times out of ten, people aren't going to spend a bunch of money on you to try to help you make it. And that's just the honesty of the game. For sure, I think that that uh, confidence lets other people know that you believe in yourself and then it helps them believe in you as well. Definitely. Definitely. And it's, it's a, you're taking yourself and your craft seriously at a certain point. You know what I mean? It's not, Oh, come on, man. Let me get some beats for free, man. Oh man. Come on. Let me get in the studio for free, man. Oh man. You know what I'm saying? I was coming around smoking your weed up. Nah, it's like cats that show that they're really like, striving towards something you're going they're going for a goal like i got a little young dude that's just been coming around making some noise lately he's young dude probably 17 18 i think his name's calamar goes by calamar dudes uh dropped pride you know i'd say like four four to six singles he's came to the studio recorded them He's had me do like graphic design for three to four of them. Then he had me shoot a video for him, put a video together. He's also had Crimesky do him a video from Anchorage. I'm like, the little dude is like, you know, he invested in himself before I ever met him. And that's how he met me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he did the video with Crimesky and he was like, man, I need to find a, a good studio in, in Fairbanks where I'm at. And he was like, oh, dude, my guy Red. 
red dot you know you ever heard of red and alaska red and he was like nah i mean i've heard of him but nah, i don't know him or whatever and he was like oh here let me get you get you guys linked up so he got us linked up little buddy's been over here like you know putting in some work and i'm like okay and and not only only here he's been you know going out and shooting his little iphone videos and putting stuff together and putting his youtube channel together and it's you know i like that i like it it's inspiring to see the young guys out there making moves <laughs> for sure you know i that reminds me of this this conversation that i had with kate tree fry who is a story editor and staff writer on stranger things uh-huh. and she said that you know her journey to that eventual career was turbulent right right and her her end analogy was that you just got to keep knocking on that door. You keep knocking on it, knocking it, and then eventually it opens. Right. And everybody on the other side is like, oh, there you are. Where have you been? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, I mean, the music industry is very, very similar too. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. There, there's levels to it. Like there isn't to anything. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's weird, man. Because like, just the last few years like i feel like i kind of like stepped up into that you know what i'm saying that that yeah now now i'm on that oh you're an underground indie artist type shit you know what i'm saying not a huge not a huge one and i've got a huge name and i'm not making millions of dollars but the indie artist that i always looked up to that i always was like oh man mad child and fucking you know, ICP and Tech Nine and fucking you know strange music guys and those guys all know me now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I've done music with all those guys. I've toured with all those guys. I've done like, and they know who I am. Even it's not just like I know who they are. They know who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, last career. Oh yeah, yeah, that's why. You know, so it's like, okay, I've stepped up into that level. Now, now, how do you level up into that next level? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's constantly a trying to level up type of thing. You know what I mean? And as you do, like you said, man. The doors open. People are like, oh shit, where you been, man? I've been, I've been waiting for you for years, bro. What the fuck? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, for real? Oh yeah, man. I heard about you when you you did this with Saul. And I'm like, huh? Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're the guy. Up in, oh, you're the Alaska dude. You know, I hear that all the time. Like, oh, you're the king crab dude up in Alaska. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, we got the king crabs up in Alaska. Everybody wants to see that shit. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's it. It is one of those things, man. You know, what I mean, you just keep, you know, keep striving and keep knocking at them doors and keep trying to level up. And as you do, you know, more more uh, opportunities start opening up. It's really, it's really crazy, man. Because I went from, you know, a few years ago, not even really tour. Like, I started touring only in 2012, man. You know, what I'm saying I'm like that's not that long ago. That's eight years yeah. ago, and I've been doing music for over. 20 years man you know what i mean and it's like just because i always thought that it was kind of impossible where we're at i was like alaska i mean how the fuck are you gonna tour in alaska like we're not in the states i mean if i was in the states yeah i can jump in a van and i can bounce all around and there's freaking clubs everywhere and there's like in two hours you can hit 10 different places if you want to you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and so it's like up here no i'm driving for six hours before i get to the next spot (laughs) it's even like feasible to do a show you know what i mean and then it's like so it took me so long just to kind of figure figure it out even and it was like oh okay oh i can tour alaska i just have to do it the alaskan way (laughs) you know what i mean you can't do it like 
anywhere else. I can't go do a show on a Monday in Alaska. And if you do, you're silly because no one's showing the fuck up. <laughs> like, you better be at some tourist resort, you know, strumming a guitar, playing acoustic, doing something, you know, country <laughs> if you're playing on a Monday night in Alaska. And that's not what I do. So that wasn't happening. And we, I just kind of figured it out to where it was like, all right, we can get away with doing a Thursday show in some select places here and there. Not all the time. It's not a weekly thing here. It's not like in the States where they have Tuesday night shows, Wednesday night shows. It's just not like that. So it was like, you got to be kind of a weekend warrior up here. And then I started building my, my route. You know what I mean? I started with the, on my Grizzly tour in 2012. And I just kind of kept, kept working it from there and would like expand and get new places and a couple places closed and I just figured out how to do that, and then I implemented that into, all right, I've been bringing guys up and doing shows, and then I was like, well, I'm, shit, I'm ready to tour the lower 48 a little bit, you know what I mean? It'd be dope mm-hmm. to do that, and then I just kind of started reaching out, but I didn't the I didn't want in my first time going out, I didn't want to be like, I'm going to go out all on my own and see how this works, because I knew I didn't have a buzz nowhere, you know what I mean, except for Alaska, really, so I didn't want to just go hit the road and see if I could, you know, do a show and pull people in. Cause it's a lot of work just setting up a show in my town, like let alone trying to set up a show somewhere else. So I bought onto that Chris Calico or no, not that that wasn't my first one. I did a tour with a, a buddy of mine, another like independent underground artist, Illis Umanati. He's from the Washington area too, kind of where I'm from originally. And he uh, always does this little thing called Northwest Warpath Tour. And so I jumped on that. We went through Washington, Oregon, Montana. And I was like, okay, this is dope. I liked it. You know, we did little shows. They weren't huge. We probably played 20, 30 people a night. One, I think one show had like 75 people at it, you know. So it was cool little getting my feet wet, getting around the Northwest, couple dates in Montana and stuff like that. And then uh, I had the opportunity to go out and tour with uh, Be Legit after that. And I did a... Portland, Seattle, we did a Canada date, and then we did a couple dates in Alaska together. And so me and Bila kind of, you know, we've always, we've had a relationship from doing shows back in the day, and then I did the tour with them too. And so we've just been cool staying in contact since then. And then I did a show with a, or a tour with Chris Calico, the Takapana tour. And I just kept, you know, just keep building from that and that. And just the momentum is just like, kept on building like you like i said it's just like you know new layers new 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 levels and then like new opportunities open up went on the tour with mayday did the tour of mayday and, and one ton from potluck that used to be in the group potluck he was like tour managing for strange and he's like routing all these tours and stuff and like being the tour manager not routing them i guess but uh being a tour manager and kind of doing some other stuff for the um for the guys on the road and so then i brought mad child stevie stone and then also him up because he was doing their strange noise tour or whatever being the manager on that brought those guys up uh, i think it was last april april 2019 18 something like that brought those guys up and we just got to talking and he was like man you know red eye and i was like bro i, I just chopped it up with him because he's just one of those really genuine people you know what i'm saying like we connected and he was just always really genuine with me and i was like man i want to get in your ear i know not right now we're doing a show or whatever but when you get back into town you know back home i want to call you and let's let's have a conversation he was like all right cool man hit me up and i'm like dope so I, I give dude a call and i'm like hey man look i'm just trying to you know i'm trying to get to that next level you know what I'm saying in the game. Yeah. And sometimes it takes that, man. Like I'm always I've always been a very very fucking humble dude. Like I've always been like I'm going to let my craft speak for itself. I've never ever bo- bothered one artist I've brought up here. 
ever. Like, hey, man, here's my CD. Check me out. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. Did I do myself a favor? Or did I do myself a dishonor? Because who knows? Maybe they would have listened to it and been like, man, you're dope. I'm fuck with you or whatever. Who knows the opportunities that could have come. But I always felt like from a business standpoint, it wasn't a good look being the promoter to also be like, oh, I'm a rapper, dude. Check out my music. Here, man, let me push this on you. Push this on you. So I never did that with anybody ever, man. And I always just like, I always just tried to, you know, work my way into shit by hard work and showing that I was worthy of my positions. You know what I'm saying? Not trying to beg for no shit or get put on from nobody for nothing. It was just like, I just worked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this particular time, I was just like, look, man, I'm just trying to figure out what I got to do to kind of, I was like, I don't expect you to give me all the game, you know what I'm saying? Or just turn me on or whatever. But if you could just sprinkle me a little bit and give me a little <laughs> bit of, give me a little bit of direction, homie, you know what I'm saying? That's yeah, all yeah. I'm asking. I said, I want to do what you're doing. I said, I think the next step for me, because I love touring, I love making music and, and you know, doing my thing and traveling and all that shit. I said, but I can't keep paying to get on these fucking tours man you know what i'm saying i just can't do it i can't Mm -hmm. pay to go fucking tour it's already cost me i gotta buy a plane ticket to get down there i gotta lodge myself every fucking night i gotta buy a van to fucking travel around in i gotta pay for gas i gotta buy food every day on the road you know what i'm saying it's just like and then on top of that i'm paying to get on a tour so that's what cats don't understand they're like oh you just getting on nah man i pay Mm-hmm. motherfuckers over here looking at me like oh you charged to do a show yeah man that's the way the fucking game works you better learn something because that's the way it works even in the big game like unless an artist knows you and you're really making noise they might put you on a fucking tour you know what i'm saying but like even when you know people you can't just go hey man you guys got a tour going on the west coast put me on like they're not gonna do that man the record label that they work for is not gonna fucking do that they're gonna go nah man uh, you can be a opening act or a co-headlining act on the tour. How many dates you want to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, let me do 10 to 15. All right. It's X amount of dollars. Here's the contract. We'll send it over. You signed it. You drop us a deposit. When you show up on the first date, you drop the guys, the rest of the money. That's <laughs> how the fuck it works. And it's like, you know, so I was just like, dude, I just can't keep doing that. Cause it's just, it, it, it's a burden on my pockets. You know what I'm saying? I got to figure out a way to, I got to wiggle this shit to where I'm making money. I can't keep spending money. You know what I'm saying? And so dude was like, bro, check it, man. I got a couple things shaking. Duh, 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 duh. He like hooked me up to where I was almost, I dude, it was so close to happening. It, it was very disheartening that it fell through, but he basically plugged me into where I was about to tour manage for RA, the rugged man and mad child on a tour that they did together. And I was supposed to like, drive the fucking van for Matt or for RA. I was supposed to sell the merch for everybody. I was going to get paid every fucking night, get a hotel and get a rock a set. I was like, bro, that's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I need to be doing. You know what I mean? So conversation like that shit fell through because at the time mad child ended up uh, working with that tom mcdonald dude i think right after and he started doing something with him so him and the ra thing didn't work out and ra took a tour somewhere else and did his own thing and so it's just like that fell through but me and my man are still talking about some other things up and coming so i'm like that's kind of that's where i'm focusing a lot of my energy now not only on the music but also like you know do maybe doing some tour managing and some artist management and stuff like that. Do you feel like sometimes you're creating the Alaska mold for a successful artist? I hope so. 
I try. I mean, I try to give as much I try to give as much good information as I can. I know I don't know everything and I'm not the end all see all know all of of hip hop or music by any fucking means. I'm not I'm not that guy. But I do have experience. I've been doing it a long time. I've done things and failed miserably and so I can give people advice not to do that, you know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. and sometimes that's invaluable information, you know what I'm saying? Like I've done some things that cost a lot of money man you know what i mean and it's like what was my roi on that and someone will be like your what my return of investment what kind of roi did i get for that money that i put out to that and then they're going like whoa it's like yeah that's the kind of things you got to think about bro it's business it's music but it's also business (laughs) you know what i mean and a lot of people they forget about that you know i mean the business part is 90 percent of it if you're serious about it it's Music's 10% of it. You know what I mean? Music is 10% of it. The business is 90% of it. I feel like that's a, it's not a new idea, but it's gaining more momentum nowadays. You know, there was a big, uh, a lot of attention paid to Nipsey Hussle because he was doing that, right? Right. So it's interesting to see it continue to kind of grab hold. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been a, there's been a big, uh, Especially in the hip hop world, there's been a big talk of independent and you know being independent. That's the way to do it. The labels fuck you. The labels will fuck you. The label that they they've been saying that forever because people know. The, the, I mean, record deals are fucking crazy, man. Doesn't R.A. the Rugged Man have a T-shirt that says every record label sucks dick? Oh, I'm sure he does. He probably has, a, <laughs> probably has more than one that has some fucking horrible sayings about every fucking record label in the industry. Oh, <laughs> uh, like man, he. I mean, he's one of the guys that got blackballed. You know what I mean? To net, you know, they cut his ass to where he could never reach that next level. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, people. Method Man even talks about that. Other people in the industry talk about it. I mean, and he's not the only one. It happens to a lot of different artists that, you know, don't conform or don't follow the mold of what they, they want at the time or whatever. And so that that independent thing has been ringing out for years, but it's never been more easy or more, like, true and more of a, of a I guess, a, a full-fledged being able to do thing like it is nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With the internet and everybody has access to a computer and a mic and, you know, cameras. And it, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Well, as far as independent goes, you kind of got in with the exact right crew with Strange Music, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you you want to follow independent giants? Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the way I've always looked at it is like, if you want to be successful, you study other successful people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not saying bite off of them. I'm not saying be exactly like them, but you'd be a fool if you didn't sit in the same room with them and, and soak up some knowledge from them. Cause like, I, I mean, those guys, man, I have conversations with those guys that are like, you know, that are valuable. You know what I'm saying? It's like knowledge soaking up, not just, Oh man, we was kicking it with some bitches, blah, 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 blah. Nah, man, those fools have told me things before where I'm like, Oh man, it's so smart. I watch tech, like how he does shows and like, you know, that was, it's just their whole formula is such a great formula to like look at and go, man, if you want to be independent and you want to like run a, run an independent business, 
check this out. This is pretty smart. <laughs> they're doing pretty, mm-hmm. they're doing pretty well. You know what I'm saying? And their, their label is steady growing. They're growing their roster. Their artists are, you know, expanding and it's, it's pretty cool to watch, man. It's pretty cool to watch. It's really interesting to see where tech nine is now because I was first introduced to tech nine from the regime, right? Like, right, so right. yeah, he was my favorite when he was on there. And then all of a sudden, you know, he came out with, his albums, what was it, uh, Evangelical, or what, what is it called? Evangelic, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Angelic. Angelic. There we go, yeah. Yeah, he got the Angelic one. He had a couple before that, too, but those were, like, more underground joints. His first one was Strange, was uh, Angelic, though. Okay. Yep. Okay, so moving on a little bit to kind of your personal story. So to prepare for this conversation, I thought about reaching out to some of your friends okay. to see if they could give me any insight or suggest some questions. So for sure. But then I remembered that you wrote a couple paragraphs about yourself in issue three of Crude. Oh, okay. And that issue focused on the Alaska hip hop scene. Right, right, right. So you start by explaining that you grew up around music, that your dad and pretty much everyone on his side of the family was doing something musical. Yeah. What kind of musical stuff were they doing? Uh, rock and roll. Um, my uncle, my dad was a rock and roll guy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, played keys, sang, played harmonica. Basically was a well-rounded musician, could pick up a guitar, you know what I'm saying? Tinker around on the drums. Uh, all my cousins were in bands playing rock and roll music, you know, like the big hair, big hair, like bandana days and shit. And then, uh, I had an uncle that was in a blues band. He played keys and sang, did soul music, kind of like gospel, you know, gospel, uh, blues. My, uh, grandmother on that side, she was a pretty predominant, um, opera singer back in like i guess the 60s early 70s down in the bay area in san francisco where they were originally from and yeah so it's just been it's been in my family you know what i'm saying it's in my blood basically my brother my brother's been a rock and roller his whole life you know what i'm saying and just, yeah i just gravitated towards uh hip-hop at an early age and like i tried to play some instruments in band you know, in school growing up, I wanted to play guitar a little bit. I played around with it. I played around with playing on the keyboards and stuff. But I don't know. I was always into, like, electronics and, like, plugging shit in and, like, messing with stuff. So it was, like, when keyboards came out and they had, like, little background beats on them, like the little, you know, you get a little drum pattern. Like, I instantly knew how to, like, kind of make beats, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know what I was doing back then. Like, now looking back at it, I was like, oh, shit, I was, like, making beats back then. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just playing around, but I was like making beats and then couldn't record them or nothing. You know what I mean? And then I, then I started like getting into the, you know, I don't know about early, early days. Like when breakdancing was big, I was into breakdancing. And then I, I met this guy up in Alaska when we were up here a long time ago before we moved back to the States. He was from New York. And he was like a rapper and he'd like break dance too. And he used to teach us like how to beatbox and rhyme and shit. And then me and my brother started like trying to write rhymes. And so that's like how I started, like, I guess rapping <laughs> like way, way. I mean, I was a little ass kid, man, <laughs> like for real going to Nordell and like, I don't know, like second or third grade was when like I wrote my first rap for real. <laughs> so that's when you were, that's when you started making music. Not, not necessarily making music, but that's kind of when I was like, that's like when hip hop 
kind of was introduced into my life, basically. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And then I started kind of tinkering around with it. And then it was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't like, okay, from this point on, I'm going to become a rapper. It was nothing like that at all. It was just like, time went past. I think like in fifth, sixth grade, I started playing the saxophone. And I tried to put a little band together with my little homies that were from the neighborhood where I was from in Spokane. I had another buddy that played saxophone. Uh, my brother had a drum set at the house, so I had my one of my buddies from the neighborhood playing his drums. We had another guy that had a guitar, so we had a guitar player, a drummer, and then two saxophones. We used to play Louie Louie. That was like the only, song, the only song we knew how to play, but it was like, that was my band, man. I had a band, you know? And then, like, we moved back. Uh, we moved back up up north from washington when i was like end of end of seventh grade and then that like it was weird because like probably that summer when i got out of seventh grade going into eighth grade that's when i it was i don't know if i could rap before then or whatever i kind of could i guess you know what i'm saying like right like but freestyling like I knew how to rhyme and freestyle really good. And people would be like, yo, man, but just rap something, man. And I would just make up funny-ass raps, like walking to school or walking home. We'd be at house parties, and people would have me, like, rap for fucking hours. Like, I'd just sit there over other people's beats and just be rapping and rapping and rapping. And that's just kind of how I got my start. And then, shit, my fresh, not freshman year, but, like, my junior year in high school. I wasn't even in high school no more. Should have been. Uh, 50 Below Records came around. You know what I mean? Mm. That dude, that dude, Brad Johnson, uh, put together 50 Below Records in Fairbanks. And then that's how I got introduced to kind of like, oh, you can actually make beats and do, 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 and, you know, record vocals. And uh, that's how I learned how to kind of do everything that I'm doing now. And that was from 1996 to 1999, right? Yeah. That was like 99. Yeah. 96, 95, 96 to 99. Yeah. And that was before. Red Dot Productions, right? So there was like a little bit of an interim, right? Yeah, for sure. Those guys, those guys, it was weird because like, I think it was like 98 or 99, we all jetted down to California and we did like this recording at Paramount Studios and they were going out to like the clubs and meeting people and brushing shoulders with everybody. And, you know, it's California, so they're getting like the California talk. And then the, the dude that owned the studio just was like, came back like, we're moving to Cali. <laughs> like, fuck it. We're gone. We're gone. You want to be a part of the studio You or part of the label? You better pack it up and move with us. You know what I mean? It was just like. I was like 18, about to turn 18, something like that. I was about to have my first kid. I'm like, bruh. Uh, and I, at that time, I was just in the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all I did. I was like, man, I go down there. That's a whole different fucking world. It's a whole different animal. You know what I'm saying? Like, You mean the streets down there yeah! are... Yeah, bro, compared to here, I'm not no dummy. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't no fucking idiot. And, but that's all I knew how to do. You know what I'm saying? It, not not to be like short myself. I could have got a fucking job, I'm, I assume. But what was I going to do? I didn't know. I didn't even really know how to get a job out here. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Even though I knew hella people. and Or I didn't. Maybe I didn't want to at the time. I don't, I don't know where my mind was at. But I just knew that what I was doing up here, I was not going to survive doing that down there. You know what I'm saying? It would it wasn't gonna work. And so I was just like, dude, I don't think I'm going. You know what I'm saying? And I stayed. Only like I think only two of the cats out of like the nine, ten dudes that were signed to the label actually went. You know what I mean? The main dude that owned the studio and the equipment, he took all the equipment down there and dipped. And uh 
one of my homies, B.A., who was originally, he was like a military cat that was up here transplanted. He ended up going down with him. And then my brother, Tone, he he was originally from Alaska. Or he's originally from L.A. area, but was up here in Alaska. He was like one of my buddies for a long time. He went down there and messed with him for a, a bit, too. But then he even left the label and came back to Alaska. So it was like it. it it worked out down there for them a little for a little while, but then things, I guess, just kind of fell apart or whatever. And I was up here basically, you know, like, well, what do I do? And I didn't know at that time, you know, I didn't know basically Jack. All I knew was that I came into a place, I walked into a door, shut it, and the mic was on, and I put my headphones on, and I could rap. You know, what I'm mm-hmm. that's all I knew. I didn't know nothing about making beats per se. I didn't know nothing about the engineering side of things, recording side of things, nothing, but. I just quickly kind of picked it up. I was like, okay, well, I want to rap still. So if I want to rap, what do I need? I need beats. You know, this was before the internet, though. So it wasn't like you were going to go get on the internet and go find beats. It was like, okay, well, if I want beats, I got to make them. Mm -hmm. All right, well, how do I make a beat? What do people use? Oh, they use drum machines. Okay, yeah, the drum machines make the drums. You know, okay, now I got a little drum pattern going. Well, how do I put sounds on top of that? Oh, well, you're going to use a synthesizer. I'm a synthesizer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My uncle used to have them synthesizers. Okay, yeah, I used to play with those shits all the time. I'm cool. Okay, well, how do you make the drum machine go to the synthesizer? Oh, it's this thing called a MIDI cable. You got to MIDI that shit in, you know, make it talk to each other and learn how to do that. And so then I was learning how to do that. And then I was using a, uh, I think it was an Alesis S16 drum drum machine with a, a, a Yamaha a Yamaha synthesizer that had a sequence in, her, sequence in it. So it had like eight track recording capability. So I could lay my drum pattern down on my um, my little drum machine and then use my keyboard to make my, my background sounds in it and stuff like that. And that's that's what I made my first two albums. All the beats were off, off that setup pretty much. And how long did it take you to make one song? Oh, man. I don't know. We would mess with beats for days, man. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's all we were doing. We were just sitting in the studio, chilling, smoking weed, bullshitting, and messing around with music. So... The process was a lot different back then because I didn't have a studio either, per se. So when we first started making beats, it was kind of like, you know, I had a couple of homies that had a little bit of equipment. And then I had a little bit of equipment. And we'd get together and we'd kind of sit there and we'd like tinker around on the things, trying to come up with different sounds and beats and stuff. And then we found a way to like, uh, I found out a way after I ended up getting a mixer because at the same time, is I bought an MPC 2000, my first MPC 2000. I bought a big-ass 24-track mixer. Big-ass Mackie mixer. And everybody was like, what the hell did you buy that big-ass mixer for? <laughs> I was like, because I'm going to open up a studio one day. They were like, what? I was like, yeah, I'm going to open up a studio one day. They are like, damn, that's a big-ass mixer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just sitting in my bedroom with an MPC next to it with nothing else. Big-ass mixer and some headphones. <laughs> The fucker's like, damn, that's a big ass mixer. Why do you got that thing? Just because I knew what I was gonna do, you know what I mean? So I had the vision already, but yeah, like I bought that mixer and I figured out how to hook it up to like a CD burner. So then it was like we figured out how we could burn our beats down to CD, and it was like, okay, now we got, you know, tangible product, I guess, or beats or whatever we could roll around with, listen to, rap to, whatnot. And then uh, another local rap group from back in the day, OSL was up at dome studios recording a song that i had done with them and they called me up and they're like hey man you should come up here and do the song with us i was like where y'all at 
I didn't even know there was another studio in Fairbanks at the time at all. I had no idea. And he was like, oh, we're at this place called Dome Studios and gave me the, gave me the scoop where it was at or whatever. I went up there and started re- started uh, recording the song with them, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool, man. I can I can dig it." So from that day on, I just started like booking sessions. So it would be like, I would I would go home, and it, it was it was crazy. It became like my new like my newest addiction. I would go home, I would make like three to four songs, and then I'd book a session. And it was like mm-hmm. it was every like I'd be in the studio probably twice a week, every week two times a week, probably on Friday or Saturday. And then I'd go in there on like a Wednesday and I was just working like crazy, working like crazy, working like crazy, putting out hella songs, but we weren't putting them out because there was nowhere to put them out. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't they just like, existed. Yeah. I had all these songs, you know what I mean? And it wasn't even songs. I had them on reel to reel. And so then I started picking through them to put an album together. I was like, fuck this. I'm putting out an album. I'm making a CD, man. I'm going to go ahead and put this thing on an album. What it? Yeah, yeah. So I just picked out like 19 songs out of like, I think we did like 34 or something tracks at the time. Picked out the best 19 that I liked the most out of out of the bunch that we had at the time. And I had the guys up there at Dome Studios, Riff Raffson and Jerry Raffson, sit with me. And we tried to mix it down to the best of our, our abilities at the time. You know what I mean? And for, for what I knew or what I thought sounded good and for what they knew. And we picked, mixed it. And then uh, I, I went and I went to a local lady for graphic design, which was a big, huge learning experience. I ended up spending like $8,000, no, not $8,000 on graphics. It was $2,800 on the graphics of that CD, my very first one. And I was just like, that was way too much. I should have never paid that lady that much money. <laughs> that was insanity. You know what I mean? And But it was a learning process for me. Like I said, I had to get burned a couple times to learn, man. <laughs> but I figured out, you know, by the time I, because I went and I got my CD done through Disc Makers, became a studio partner with them. So by the time I did my next CD, I was like, okay, how much is graphics? And then Disc Makers was like, shit, we'll do your whole graphics setup for 400 bucks. I'm like, oh my God. Are you <laughs> That's a big difference. That's a huge difference, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Okay. Yeah, no more local graphic designers. Fuck that. Yeah, so I used them for uh, that next album I did. But then the next album after that, I had a buddy in town that like did Photoshop and was like a video guy and really cool cat and he designed my next album and then ox ended up you know learning picking up some photoshop skills too and he did like the next two albums for king slim and hostile rain and then i had another guy out out of town do my or from here in town do my last my last couple albums do you remember the first song of yours that you were really stoked on (laughs) the first song that i was really stoked on yeah oh geez I don't know. I'd probably have to say it was probably one of those ones that I did with those guys, you know, that I was up at the studio with. Because just like that feeling of being in the studio with like, that's always been my thing. I feed off of other people's energy. So it's like when I'm in in the studio making music with other people, I feel like uh, it always brings out the best in me. You know what I'm saying? The creative juices are flowing more. It's always just like one of those settings that brings out like some of my best work. So I would say like just just from that first time I walked into that studio, man, and I was like, okay, we're recording. I was like, all right, this is how you do it. Mm -hmm. All right, I get it. You know what I mean? And then by my second album, that dude, 
them dudes up there were like, you're going to own your own studio one day, man. We already know it. And I was like, whatever, dude. I love this place. I ain't never leaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that shit was short-lived. By the third album, I was already buying my own equipment. You know what I mean? And yeah, eventually I did. I opened up my own studio and, you know, kept on kept on going with it. What did the, what did the Fairbanks hip-hop scene look like back in the day compared to what it looks like now? fuck i don't know man it's weird it kind of similar you know what i mean i mean different different in a sense i would i would say it was different man like when i was first coming up it was way different like because when you're a young guy and you're looking at the older heads and you're seeing what's going on you're kind of like infatuated with it like yo this is dope man it's popping out here blah 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 you know what i mean you're like mm-hmm. you're like oh man it's moving there's a lot of shit going on oh man there's so yeah, yeah oh you just like you're excited by the energy of it all but like as you get into it and it's like you start really noticing what it is it's like this is a small teeny fucking community man teeny fucking community so Back in the day, it wasn't easy for everybody to do music. So there wasn't a lot of people doing it. You know what I'm saying? As time progressed, it became an easier thing and everybody wanted to do it. Everybody wanted to rap. Everybody wanted to be a producer. And everybody was. And so it was like, you'd get guys that pop up. you get military guys that come in town so they have a group. you get local cats that would pop up for a second and be doing some stuff. And it's like... The local, the local essence of it all always seemed to be the stuff that stuck around. You know what I'm saying? Like, you wouldn't necessarily see guys being, like, really super productive, but they're always there. You know what I'm saying? You had, like, the OSL guys, Tubby and the Hellraiser guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, just all that, all them different groups of people that made music. And so you could always kind of expect, like, a party to be popping up or, you know, a show to be kind of, like, a local show to be going on or... You know what I'm saying? Just something would be happening. Not necessarily every single weekend, but it was, there was usually something to look forward to eventually. You know what I mean? And that's what kind of kept the scene buzzing. And there was always unity, like you said, or come back to your question about how there's kind of like a unity up here. It's just because we didn't have much, man. And so we kind of all have to, at some point, we're going to be working with each other or doing stuff with each other, or it's going to be pretty bismal and we're going to have just really small events and you know what i'm saying so it's like everybody kind of came to the point where it was like okay something's going on let's just let's just fuck with it you know what i'm saying so yeah you'd show up and kind of check it out and see what was going on maybe even if you weren't you know rocking the mic that night or whatever you know what i'm saying but nowadays it's 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 kind of similar you know what i'm saying the only ones that they're slow and few and far between there's not a lot of people that i see personally this is like you know all the young kids are making music Everybody got, like I said, everybody got a computer, everybody. But it's like, I don't really start noticing them till they're like, I don't know, people are talking about it, they're doing shows, or they're making moves outside of maybe just their little group. You know what I'm saying? So nowadays, I just, you know, I see the guys that have been around still plugging it out, like the Bishop Slice, the Starbucks, you know what I'm saying? And I see like the Tony Taylor, he's one of the newer guys, but been around for a minute. The Lee Jones, you know what I'm saying? All these guys that have been here doing music for a minute, they're still plugging away at it, you know? And they still keep coming out with uh, material and dropping product and stuff like that. And so the scene stays, the scene stays moving in, you know, there's always something being contributed to it. It's just not a it's just not a huge scene because we're not a huge place. You know what I mean? 
being one of the hip hop pioneers here in Alaska, do you feel any responsibility for the local scene? Oh, always, man. Always. Uh, I try to, you know what I'm saying? I try to, I don't know. I wouldn't say lead by example or whatever, but I try to like, like I said, spread my knowledge to people. I try to share plugs with people. I try to, you know, incite, uh, incite a good spirit in people to have fun with music and make it a positive thing and not a negative thing. You know what I'm saying? I've never been one of those people that likes to like beef with cats on the mic. None of that shit. Just cause I don't feel like it's conductive to our scene. You feel what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. this place is too small. It's one of them places that like, you know, you're talking shit about people. You're going to see them. Not to say you can't do it. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. That's if that's your choice. But Brings me back to what I was saying earlier in the conversation. You got to build bridges up here. It's better to build bridges up here than it is to burn them. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a small town. Everybody knows each other. And word gets around fast. So if you're one of them, oh, uh, he he just be out there fucking everything up and being a badass. Like, people ain't going to want to work with you. Mm-hmm. If you're doing business and you're conducting yourself in a, in a, and carrying yourself in a, in a way, in a fashion that says, hey, man, I'm being serious. I'm trying to take this serious. This is my career. I need you to open up some doors for me. Then you get opportunity. You know what I mean? But it's just, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a responsibility of myself and others, others that are after me and some that are before me to, you know what I'm saying? Always like try to help mold and open doors for people and kind of point people in the right direction. And that's, that's what I kind of felt like I'm trying to do now, like with the putting these tours together with different artists, like the ladies first tour, it's going to be the first time the ladies ever, you know, all, all female MC line up around the state of Alaska. And, you know, I just feel like by doing that kind of stuff, that's contributing to the scene. That's building, building the scene, doing stuff that's different, doing stuff that's out of the normal, uh, hopefully opening more doors for more people down the road, showing businesses, not only, you know what I'm saying? It's important for me also, like, I don't just show these rappers and other artists, like how to get it or where to go to do stuff. stuff. I show these businesses and I show people that have money and that can invest in us and can give us opportunities to give us chances. You know what I mean? I'm like, we're worth it. We work hard. We're not all out here just, like I said, fucking off and fucking shit up. A lot of people take this seriously, and it's a, it's our craft, and it's like, yo, man, you know, we need opportunities in our hometown to ever be fruitful in what we're doing. We need love on the radio. We need love from local businesses. We need love from these events that throw shows to actually invite us, to have us out. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. I've always taken that shit real serious, and tried to make sure that I carried myself in a way that shows people that, yeah, man, we do deserve that opportunity. Do you think that the up and coming artists nowadays are more or less reckless than they were back in the day? Or do you think it's about the same? I mean, I wouldn't say it's a, yeah, more, more or less than it was at all. I mean, I think, I think people just choose, you know what I'm saying? Like when I was young, I carried myself way different than I carry myself now. You know what I'm saying? In what way? It like I just I did I had a lot more of a I don't give a fuck attitude. You know what I mean? Back then. Like I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> like I, I didn't I didn't give a fuck if I fucked up a relationship in a bar. You know what I mean? I'd get in a fight at the bar. We'd throw bottles and bust heads and you know what I'm saying, shit like that. Like 
Well, I think that that just comes with maturity. For sure. For sure. That too. But also opportunity. Mm -hmm. I started seeing opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Opportunity can be taken from you and opportunity can be given to you. You know what I'm saying? And so I started taking that shit seriously at a certain point. And I think, I think that was more or less when I started getting on the radio in town. You know what I'm saying? Because they put me on the radio and I was like, all right, man, I can't be out here just, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm like, I'm on the radio every fucking day. People already know who I am in this town because I've been here forever. But now I'm on the radio, like talking to kids every day and talking to people and, you know what I'm saying, interviewing politicians that are coming through and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, man. It just like, it changed my outlook on things because I was like, okay, well, this is another opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Doors are opening with it. And I know that I do music and now I'm right here at a radio station. Holy shit. You know what I mean? Like, okay. What can I do with this? How can I, how can I wiggle in there? How can I, make, you know what I mean? What, what can yeah. I make work? And that's what my whole intention was the whole time I was there. It was like, you know, from the start, you can ask anybody that worked at that radio station. You ask them what I brought up every, every Monday in the Monday morning meetings. Hey man, when are we going to start doing a dump it or bump it? Come on, man. Let's start giving some love to these local artists. I mean, like that's all I ever pulled for when I was there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it was just like they never would let me do it. You know what I mean? It was like it was too top forty, too corporate. And it was just like, yeah, man. And so just you know, after doing it for six, seven years or whatever, and then they let me go the first time, and then they had me come back, and I was just like, you know what? Nah, this shit is. You guys are never gonna really let me do what I wanted to do here you know what i'm saying which Mm -hmm. i get you know what i mean to a certain extent but yeah just it just didn't seem like there was any way to grow with it either so i was like yeah i gotta bounce sorry guys love (laughs) you um you know nowadays how do you keep that fire burning and it's hard it's hard bro you know what i'm saying it's like it's like anything else in life though it's like what do you want out of it do you want it like i've spent so much time doing it it's like it would be weird to just stop, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, or give up, like I just quit. And I feel like it all the time, man. I had the conversation with my wife two weeks ago. Like, I just think, I, I don't know, man. I don't know with all the shit that's going on and there's no shows and I can't even get out here and make money doing it no more. And I can't it's like, cause that's that like, that's became music is my hustle now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't give a fuck mm-hmm. what anybody thinks about it or says like, I don't care. Music is my hustle now. Like it used to be, running in the streets now it's music it's how i maneuver it's how i make money it's how i make shit happen you know what i mean so like i feel alive when i'm doing it when i'm not doing it i'm like what the fuck you know like i I get down in the dumps i feel like shit's not being progressive even though i'm staying productive i just i'm just like what what in the fuck man the shit is it's not I don't know, is it not paying off the way it's supposed to? Am I not moving in the right direction that I should be? You know, you put out you put out work and you just don't see the results you want to see from shit sometimes. Like the new video I just dropped, you know what I'm saying? I put all this fucking time and energy into this new video. You know, we promoted it pretty good. We drop it out and it's picking up momentum, getting numbers. Then fucking YouTube starts like taking my fucking views away. I'm like, what the fuck is that, yo? Like... Oh, because it could be bots or malicious. I'm like, bots? Dude, it's 2,000 views. It's not like 20,000, 30,000 views. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, by the second week, I was almost up to 2,000 views. I was like, I have fucking screenshots of this shit. 
I was mm-hmm. up to 1,980 views on my thing in like 12 days. All of a sudden, I get on my fucking YouTube the next day, check my views, and it was like 1,700. And I'm like, what? Why is it down 200 views? That's weird. The next day, it's down to 1,500. And then they froze it there for like two weeks. It did not go. Like, I would watch it myself twice just to see if the number would go up. <laughs> and it wouldn't go up. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? That's fucking crazy. And I'm like, I'm just a little dude. Imagine what they're doing to every fucking buddy else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys pay motherfuckers. They pay people on that station. So it's like, to me, you're stealing money from people. I'm not oh, even sure. I'm not even monetized yet. You know what I'm saying? I don't have a thousand viewers or or a thousand subscribers or uh, the four thousand hours of watch time that you need in the year or whatever the fuck it is to be monetized. Even, but it's like I know a lot of motherfuckers that are. So you're not only stealing from me, you still you're stealing from a lot of motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what yeah. in the hell? And now they're censoring shit and doing all sorts of other weird shit on it. Yeah, Joe Rogan's even switching platforms, man. I'm like, what the? Gotta find me a new one. <laughs> yeah, he's going to Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just remembered what I was gonna say earlier. Okay, and that and that is that Alaska is a great place for being independent, and that was to your comment or your story about leaving the radio station and i mean maybe it's because we're so far removed from like i don't know national what's going on pushes yeah progress those types of things new ideas and so we get stuck in old modes that's exactly what i seen at that place it wouldn't even matter like who like it wouldn't matter if the place sold and it got a new owner because the powers that be that are in the place we're like, we've been doing this for 30 years this way. <laughs> it's just like, dude, okay, you've been doing it 30 years this way. Let's let's fucking spice it up a little bit. Let's bring a little life to this motherfucker. Let's do man, I I'm not a dummy, man. I have good fucking ideas, man. I was bringing some like prime shit to these fools, like, and in turn would have made the radio station money. That's what was funny about it to me. Like, I I had sponsors signed off ready to buy the fucking thing that I was trying to do. And they were still like, nom, 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 nom. I was just like, <laughs> what in the fuck, yo? I want to buy airtime on a weekend night that's all, you guys are basically bonusing every single motherfucking ad that is played from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. I know this shit. You know, I know the inner working is good enough in these radio stations now that I know that all the fucking ads played from midnight to 6 a.m. are bonus fucking slots that you give to people to bump up their contracts. You're like, yeah, you're going to be getting all these extra ads. And it's like, yeah, from 12 a.m. to 6 a.m. when no one's listening. But anyway, that's how they do it. That's how they sell. So I'm like, okay, well, why don't I buy two hours of that time for X amount of dollars every week? Like, literally had sponsors ready to buy that shit. And they were like, well, the thing is, we think you're... I was like, no, man, I will play our format of music. I'll maybe make it a little bit more urban just because it's a Friday, Saturday night thing. You know what I'm saying? But it'll keep, I'll keep it on the top 40 format, just a little bit more urban charted. And I said, we'll just implement a local bump it or dump it thing every week. We'll do a contest. We'll play two people's songs. One of them gets bumped. One of them gets dumped. Go on to the next week. You know what I'm saying? I, just, I, dude, I, I laid it out in black and white and everything for him. They're just like, no. <laughs> I was like, God, man. 
you guys don't want to do nothing around here. <laughs> this is too much for him. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I could, I didn't ever understand it because I was like, the whole point is to sell airtime and make money. It's a corporation. You guys are trying to make money. Mm-hmm. So, why can't I s- sell this to some? I had like Street Sounds, one of the audio shops in town, was gonna buy it, and then. I think uh, I was on board as Red Dot Studios, and then I even had one or two more places that were going to, like, chip in on the sponsorship. And it was, dude, it was not a little bit of change. I think I was bringing in, I think it was, like, what, 4500 bucks a month. That's pretty good. And, dude, it was, four, it was four times a month, the show. That's it. So it's, like, $1,000 per show. You know what I'm saying? It was, like, what I was, like, getting for that two-hour slot. I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys are not making $1,000 in two hours of advert ads on Friday or Saturday night and they just still it just you're too far off from our our programming format and da 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 we don't do local stuff cuz then all the locals want to come out and start giving us music that they want us to try to play and then they're mad at us when we don't play it and I'm just like dude that's why you make something like this cuz then it gives them that opportunity to play it and you don't have to deal with it when it also creates it creates healthy competition hell yeah Creates healthy competitions and gi- and gives locals something to look forward to, man. That's what I kept trying to explain to him. Like, I'd be like, bro, you think these little stations in these other fucking cities and these other towns across America are not supporting their local fucking artists? How the fuck do you think these guys make it? Mm-hmm. They make a song that's good. They bring it to their local station and their local DJs in the club. The club DJs are like, fuck, man, this is good. It's getting traction. People are digging it. You bring it to the radio station. The radio station DJ hears it goes, all right, dog, I'm going to put you on one of those, you know, those kind of programs, whatever it is. Bang it or dump it, flat, you know, flush it or bump it, you know, all that stuff. They have all them kind of things down there. And I'm like, why can't we do something like that? Mm-hmm. It just creates, it, it's like it gives give back to your community even like you care about the artists in your community i said bro if i ever fucking blow up i said i swear this all my life and you motherfuckers want me to do an interview i won't (laughs) i told him that i said i fucking put it on my mom man just because you guys are so whack with the way you are with local artists i said if i ever blow up man and i come back here and do a concert i don't give a fuck if you guys call me and want to do an interview i'm gonna tell you to fuck off I was like, I'm not even bullshitting because you guys don't show no love to the local artists and you should just come back here and we'll do another interview for real, dude. I don't, you know, I would it in a minute because that's the thing I like. I, I appreciate the people that take time out to appreciate the arts in their area and the people that are actually trying to do something with themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's a lot of other things I could be out here doing, <laughs> but I'm For not. Sure, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm trying to stay focused. I'm trying to stay positive. I'm trying to make outlets for other people to do things and be creative. And it's just like, man, if no one gives the shine or puts light on any of that stuff that people are doing, man, it's like it's disheartening to people in the end. And they give up. And people move on to other things. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's just important for us all to like you know, when we can facilitate, you know, bringing it to the light and giving everything, giving somebody a little bit of shine, it's important for us too. Well, I think that those things permeate the entire society, right? Because if you have a kid, a teenager or a youth looking at someone our age, right? Like right. trying to do the thing and then they can't do the thing, that's not going to be very much encouragement to that teenager to exactly. pursue that same thing. 
Yep, exactly. Why am I going to... Oh, 48-year-old ass rapper out here ain't doing shit. They don't even play his music in town. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's the image you get from some of these kids out here from that shit. You know what I mean? But then I got to be like, yeah, but look, dog, when I get out of here, you wouldn't believe the love I get. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, bro, I leave here, and it's crazy. That's the shit you got to work for. Get the fuck out of here every once in a while. Get out of here. Like, you know... This could be your hometown. You can always come back. Sometimes you got to go, though. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you got to go. (laughs) We're kind of nearing the end here, and I have a few more questions for you, but I wanted to talk about uh, a few things that you mentioned on a phone call that we had, which was 52-week leak and Freestyle Friday. Okay, so going back to us talking about, you know, staying productive and kind of, you know, trying to just – stay moving in that aspect and, you know, staying relevant, I guess they call it or whatever, you know what I mean? Uh, I've tried to be a lot more engaged on my YouTube page this year because like we were talking about how the game is constantly changing. Well, streaming is the new, that's how you get paid. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting Mm -hmm. paid if your channel ain't monetized and if you're not getting good streaming numbers off of these streaming services. So, I was, I'm focusing on that. I'm trying to raise my numbers up on my Spotify. I'm trying to raise my numbers up on my YouTube. You know what I mean? So, uh, I started a a segment called freestyle Friday on my YouTube page. And basically every Friday I get on there and it's, I freestyle, I just freestyle. I'll pick a beat, you know what I'm saying? From random, like random beats off the internet, random beats that I have in the vault, whatever. Sometimes I do acapella. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's whatever. I did one in Hawaii to a guy playing the bongo drums in the Tahiti village one time. I'm like, it's just whatever it is. I might be the guy. I had a guy in here playing a guitar one time. So it's just a new segment on my page where every Friday I bust a freestyle about whatever I have people send me in topics sometimes sometimes I come up with the topics and then we just rap sometimes they're five minutes long sometimes they're a minute long and just just whatever you know what I mean so I've been doing that I think I got like 22 23 episodes of that up so far uh I kind of took a I took a little break just since summer hit just because I've been outside and working in the yard a whole bunch and I just kind of been you know resetting myself through all this bullshit so i've taken a few weeks off but i'm about to kick it back off here real soon and then uh that's that's the freestyle friday thing and then we also have the 52 week leak now what i did with the 52 week leak was i basically uh challenged myself you know this is is a challenge to myself to like stay productive stay making music and stay releasing things so my my goal my goal was like, you know, raise them Spotify numbers, raise them YouTube numbers. And the way you do that is by releasing music and staying current. You know, I've had a problem with like waiting years in between releasing projects just because I like to put albums out and I like to put out full albums the way I've always done it, blah, blah, blah. Well, times change, things change. You got to innovate. You got to switch shit up and do things different. So Mm -hmm. I said, well, Hey man, this whole year starting January 1st, I'm going to start putting out a new song every Monday. So that's what I've been doing. I've been releasing a new song every Monday for the entire year, which will be 52 weeks, you know what I mean? And I'm on week, fuck, what, 2022 is coming up next, I think, week 22. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm only a couple of weeks ahead of myself on songs, so I'm like, it's I got to get busy, man. I was I was comfortable there for a minute. I was about, like, five weeks out. Like, I'm good. I got, like, five weeks. I can chill like a motherfucker. Now I'm over here like, uh-oh. 
shit, I got like three weeks. I'm going to get my ass to work. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's keeping me productive. It's keeping it fresh. It's keeping the ideas rolling in. I'm just, you know, just putting stuff together and, and, and putting it out for the people to hear. And as far as freestyle is concerned, there's kind of two different descriptions of that, right? So there's written and free form and then off the dome. How yeah, I'm off the it? dome. I'm always off the dome. My freestyle is like nothing's written, nothing's rehearsed, nothing, nothing is pre-planned. It's all just off the dome. Like sometimes the pre, the only bit of pre-planning that'll come into it is if like I've asked people for uh, topics. You feel what I'm saying? So like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll have cats like give me topics and I just write the topic down. You know what I'm saying? Sledding in Alaska, skiing in the Alps, whatever the fuck it is. You know what I'm saying? And I have to incorporate that shit into my rhyme, and that's what I do. So I feel like freestyling has been brought up a number of times in this conversation, and it's also <laughs> been a constant throughout your life. For sure. How would you feel about ending this on a freestyle? Let's do it. So do you want me to give you something to freestyle about? Or a phrase, or... Sure, sure. Give me something to freestyle about. Crude conversations. All right. <laughs> Here we are. Well, uh, let's take it back to, like... 08, I think we was up in the AK State, and Cody hit me up and said, don't be late, I gotta put it out on these here rap pages, crew conversations, that's what it is, I got down on the mag, we handled the biz, I had a two-page feature, and it was the shit, and I had to say thank you for featuring it, all of the rappers from the great 907, we be freestyling off the top of the head, that's not no writtens, no bullshittings, I dig up in these crates, Soft like some kittens, put on the mittens for these hard-hitting bars. It's already to the double, you block fucking star. Straight from the 49th, one of the best. I don't have to walk around and puff out my chest. I know who I am, and that's who I is. Already to the double, baby. Always handle my biz. Peace and love to all you listening. For more information about how you can support local grassroots journalism, Go to www.patreon.com slash crude magazine. Crude Conversations is written, hosted, and produced by me, Cody Liska, for Crude Magazine. Music was produced by Alcoda Beats.